So we do recognize that this weekend, while it's a, a different kind of a weekend because we use it to celebrate and to spend time with family and we get time away from work, if you've even been going to work. But, you know, Memorial Day is about something that's very serious. It's about it's about something that is really needs to be paid attention to. And when we talked about talk about honoring and respecting people, we want to make sure that we do that. So if you are a spouse or a parent or a child or somehow other related to someone who served in the armed forces of this country who is no longer with us, we also want to thank you as we take time to remember them. It's Memorial Day weekend, and on a normal Memorial Day weekend, we would have a Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge here with us. But this is not a normal year, and this is not a normal weekend. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pick up our series uh, that we're looking at. We're going to spend months on this one, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5. We're going to pick that up again next Sunday. But today, we have a responsibility, uh, in part to take some time and to honor the memory of the men and the women who have served this great nation of ours. And there's confusion, uh, and we should always thank our veterans, but we have another day set aside to thank and, and honor our veterans. Today is the day that we remember, that we honor, that we uh, take a time to just be grateful for the men and the women who have served in our armed forces and who have passed on those Men and women for whom freedom meant so much that they were willing to lay their lives on the line so that we could be free. It's interesting when you think about it. 
Anybody who's ever gone into the armed forces and gone to battle for this country did so to preserve the freedom for men and women who they would probably never meet, they would never know, that would never have a chance to say thank you. And yet they were willing to do that. So those men and those women who uh, we remember and, and honor today, we owe our respect, our gratitude, our thanks. And I think when you understand the way that they understood freedom and the price they were willing to pay, that is quite a message for us as Christians that we would set aside what we maybe most want out of life for the good of the people around us that Jesus calls us to serve. So today I want to talk about freedom. It seems like an appropriate topic for this weekend, but I don't want to just talk about freedom that we expect as, as Americans. As Americans, we expect freedom. You hear an awful lot being talked about these days that that, uh, that isn't your right, that isn't your freedom, or that is my right, and you're stepping on my my the toes of my freedom, and we're hearing this debate on and on. I want to talk about a second freedom that exists in this country and all over the world, and that is the freedom that we enjoy as Christians. We don't think about that very often. And the fact of the matter is, as, as a believer, we know the first thing that we come to understand as a Christian is that the price of the freedom that we have as a Christian, the forgiveness of our sins and the assurance of our salvation, those are free gifts that God gives us through His Son Jesus, but they were not free. In fact, they cost Jesus nothing less than His life. When we think of this weekend and we think of freedom, there are an awful lot of men and women who also gave their lives in service to this country. And so when you think about the price of freedom and the fact that it it isn't free, we can think about that on a national level and consider that kind of freedom. But we also need to think about it as a Christian, think of the freedom that we have in Christ and think about the price that Jesus paid. So there's these two different kinds of freedoms that we have in this country. Unfortunately, both of them are largely misunderstood by most people. The first is the freedom that is granted and promised to us by our Constitution. The very same Constitution that those men and women who went to war for this nation fought for and many died for. The second is the freedom that we have as Christians. It's the freedom that is given to us by Jesus, who for the record also died that we can enjoy freedom in him. Both of them are significantly important. One of them can never be taken away from you. In the Gospel of John, Jesus himself says this, John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The moment that you are freed of your sins, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to sin anymore, but the, re- the moment you are freed of your sins in Jesus, not because of anything that you've done, But because of what Jesus has done for you in his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, that freedom is truly, truly freedom. That is, when you're set free there, you are free indeed. The only thing that can trip you up and and put you back in the bondage of sin is your own choices and decisions. When the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And I want to talk about that one for a while. Here's the funny thing about freedom, though. And if you think about it, you'll know this is true. It's incredibly fragile. And freedom is ridiculously easy to lose. Not as a Christian, but the freedoms that we think we enjoy in this country. Because for many people, freedom to them represents an opportunity for both power and then an opportunity to abuse that power. We see it happens in in personal relationships. We see that it happens in, in politics. 
Unfortunately, we even see that it happens in church and it, and it happens on an individual basis to us as people. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask anyone who's ever been in jail how quickly their freedoms can be taken away. They have a few rights that are left to them, but their freedoms in the way that they've understood them disappear in a hurry. And what we're seeing played out in our country, and I realize this is going to be a harsh indictment. What we're seeing played out in our country is the proof of how many people cannot handle freedom properly with any measure of personal maturity. We're seeing people who just simply can't handle the freedom that they've been given. See, some people, they take that freedom and they make it about race, as though because the color of their skin is the color of their skin, somehow they're free to say they're better than someone else. That's not freedom. Some people want to make it about gender one way or the other, or all the ways that we've, we've uh, gathered up that issue. Some people want to make it because politics say it's okay now. They say, well, we've got the freedom to continue to, to murder the unborn. Nope, you don't. That, that's not a political statement, by the way. That's simply a reminder of the commandment that says thou shalt not murder. The commandment doesn't say thou shalt not kill. It says thou shalt not murder. That's a reminder of that. And if your politics are more important than your faith on that issue, you might want to stop and put yourself back in check because it gets to the issue of are you mature enough to handle your freedom? Some people even hide behind patriotism. We're hearing a lot of that these days, that somehow nationalism or patriotism are what we're supposed to be all about as Americans. But guess what? Even in America, your patriotism is not an excuse for caustic racism, for, for sexism or chauvinism or feminism or any other ism. When those things become more important than the people that we are called to do life with and love, no, there's no excuse for that. My point is this. We use our freedom to justify our beliefs and our position and our preferences all the time. We say, well, I'm given this freedom, therefore I can. Well, you know what? Maybe you get to, but that's still wrong. What we should use is our freedom to help others. And that's where our freedom in Christ comes in and is so helpful. And I will add that when we exercise our freedom, both as citizens of this country and our freedom in Christ, we should exercise them for the good of others and in godly humility. See, Paul says in Galatians 5, 13 and 14, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul wasn't making that up. He was going back to what Jesus said. I love the, what his statement there. You were called to be free. You were called by Jesus. You were created and called by God to be free, not as a member of a, of a particular country or the place that you hold your citizenship, but rather our freedom that is in Christ. Now, how we love our neighbors is done in a lot of different ways, and, and Christians don't always do so well at this. In fact, we find ways not to love our neighbors, but the Bible doesn't give us that excuse. So what are we doing as a church? As a church, we're doing our best to love our neighbors in one, and, and this is causing confusion and frustration for a lot of people. We have, along with the vast majority of other churches in Minnesota, whether we agree or not, we've chosen to abide by our governor's mandate that we not gather and worship. It's why I'm here in front of a camera and you're at home or wherever you are. That's the way that we believe right now is the best way that we can love our neighbors. The good news is, as of yesterday, it looks like some of those restrictions have been loosened. We're still being told what we can and cannot do, and we will abide by them. Because that's part of the way that we can love our neighbors. 
And what happens with people all the time is that we take the freedom that we've been given and rather than use it to help people, to make the world a better place, we do what Paul says and we indulge our own sinful and prideful and selfish desires. So here's an example, and and a lot of people can relate to this one right now because, like you, I spend some time on Facebook, and I hear what you're saying, and there's this thing called apparently COVID weight. It's this thing where because we're at home and we're not having to go to work and a lot of people are still getting paid in order to stay at home and because they have to stay away from the office, it seems like people are eating more than they normally do. So it made me think, uh, this passage from Paul. And I wonder, you know, if we've got this newfound freedom where we're home more, we've got more time, our schedule isn't as rigid and structured because of, of uh, having to go into the office and because of commuting and all that kind of stuff, I, I wonder why it is then that instead of the thing that we always say is the reason that we don't exercise because we don't have time and now we've got all this time and we're actually gaining weight, well, well it's because we don't use freedom the right way. We use freedom to indulge other desires. And so my question to you is this. What are you doing with this newfound freedom? This situation that we're in as a country has changed dramatically. How it is that we work, how it is that we worship, how it is that we we conduct our day-to-day lives. And so for some people it has proved to be very oppressive. For others there's a real freedom in it. What are you doing with that freedom? Who is better because of this newfound freedom that you enjoy? And and my last question would be getting back to the what are you doing with your time? Are you better for your newfound freedom? Or are you just sleeping a lot more? Because the thing is, with freedom, no matter what form it comes to us in, it requires us to make decisions in order to use it in an appropriate way. So what are we doing around here as a church? I, I can tell you this, the, the staff and the leadership of the Open Door have taken this time, and we talk about it as a time of disruption. It's a time where everything has been turned on its ear, and, and that doesn't bother us. It doesn't scare us because that's exactly what Jesus did. When Jesus showed up on the scene 2,000 years ago, he was the greatest disruption that the church had ever seen, the greatest disruption the world had ever seen. He turned everything on its ear. And in this time of disruption that we haven't been able to meet in person, we have used it to expand the ministry reach of the Open Door Christian Church. We've got this wonderful thing called the Internet. We've got online ability, and you are a part of being able to be church with us. Do we like being able to meet in this big room that I'm sitting in right now? I love meeting here with all of the people who come here on Sundays to call us home. But you know what? We haven't stopped being the church. We continue to meet. We've just recently welcomed new members into our church family, some of whom have never actually physically been in our building. We're continuing to be the church. We have, because of you, we have been able to see our reach into the world, the the ability that we have to reach people with the good news of Jesus, grown about ten times in the last two months in terms of number of people who are being a part of what we're doing. We've grown our care ministry and the ability that we have chosen to take to reach out and to care for people and contact folks. Uh, We're praying with with and for more people than ever. Recovery Church is going strong online. Their community is well connected. Our children's ministry and our student ministries continue to meet. Even though it's virtual, the kids are coming at it from a long day having to do virtual school and all kinds of other things. But you know what? Our student and children's ministries haven't missed a beat. We've got online small groups and life groups meeting almost every day. And we have seen thousands and thousands of you join us online for worship. See, we don't think that we lost our freedom to worship. We've temporarily not got the opportunity to worship together. 
But as individuals and as a church, God has grown our kingdom influence because we know that the right to worship doesn't come from the state, doesn't come from the federal government. It comes from God. I actually know in the two months that we've had to do things the way we have, there are people who have come to a saving faith in Jesus who didn't know Jesus when all of this started. And I have to look at the incredible things that God is doing and just simply be grateful because these are really good days for the good news of Jesus. When we talk about freedom, sometimes freedom looks differently than what we might hope it looks for. But you know what? When we think about our freedom in Christ, we are free and it cannot be taken away. So here's what you need to be clear about today and every day. Your real freedom, and I'm not talking about the freedom in the government. I'm talking about the freedom that cannot be taken away. That is the freedom that you have in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus paid the price for that freedom. He died so that you could be free. God raised him from the grave so that your sins could be forgiven. And that cannot be taken away from you. And the Bible talks about it a lot. Because in the first century church, those early Christians understood freedom in a way that we can't imagine. They didn't know freedom. They didn't understand what it was. They were oppressed. They were were completely crushed by the occupying Roman government. They had rules and laws from the church that they had grown up in that they could never keep. They didn't understand freedom. The notion of freedom to them was nothing but a dream. And when Jesus comes along and talks about freedom and being set free, they heard that in a way that our minds don't understand. And part of it is we hear freedom as Americans, and we assume that freedom is our right. Well, of course I'm free. I live in America. Of course I'm free. I'm free to do what I want, to believe, to speak, to act. See, we believe that we've got this inalienable right to freedom. And then we go a step further and we say, I want my freedom the way I want my freedom and you have to respect it. See, we believe that because it's literally written into our Constitution. Here's the line. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And what we have taken that to mean is I have the freedom to do whatever I want with my life. I can do whatever I want in whatever I want to do it. If it's right for me, it's therefore right. Now, here's the truth bomb. Any freedom that is granted by an individual, any freedom that's granted by a person, any freedom that's granted by a government is a freedom that is conditional and can be taken away. When Jesus talks about being freed And when the sun sets us free, we're free indeed. It will not be taken away. When your freedom is granted by a human or a human institution, that freedom can be taken away from you. What that means, it isn't really a freedom. What it is, is a temporary privilege that we've been allowed. And this seismic shift that we're seeing at the state and federal level is telling us that there's a new day on the horizon. And that notion of freedom, the way we've always understood it, is in the balance. We are living in a time when truth is in question. And the reason that it's in question is because we don't know who to believe. And so what we choose to do is we choose to believe whoever says what we want to hear. It doesn't matter whether it's the truth or not. You know, we've got one group that says, here's what the doctors are saying, and we need to follow this. And then it just came out, there's 600 doctors that are standing in contradiction to that. Say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. You know what, either we believe and trust our doctors or we don't. Who do we trust? We don't even know that we can trust our politicians. There there are some ridiculous statements that have been coming out from both sides of the aisle because politicians are jockeying for votes. Who do we trust? Who do we believe? This is America for crying out loud. The whole world looks to us to understand what freedom is, and we don't even understand it ourselves. But there is truth in the middle of all of that confusion. 
There is good news. And the good news is Jesus. It's the same good news that we've had for 2,000 years. The freedom that we have in Christ has been bought and paid for in his death and the resurrection for our sins. And you know what? The free gift that you have of salvation, eternal salvation, cannot be taken away. When we are free by the Son, we are free indeed. What that means is that for us as Christians, the one that we worship and our freedom to worship does not come and go at the whims of a governor. It doesn't shift based on who's elected to office at the federal level or what the Supreme Court says. You know, it doesn't even change based on your political opinion or your personal opinion. Our freedom to worship does not come from any of us or any of you. Our freedom to worship comes from our Father who is in heaven. It is a freedom that is not given to us by the government. We aren't given permission to worship by the governor, by the president, by the Supreme Court. Our right to worship is purpose built into every one of us. It is God-given. It is part of who we are. We are created in God's image, and we are created to be creatures who are of eternal worship in this life and in the next. We've worshipped together And then we've had a time where we have not been able to worship together. But you know what? In the time that our worship has not been together, our worship has still been loud. Because our worship can't be taken away from us. It's something that's in our hearts. And so you watching right now are proof that nothing, no freedom to worship has been taken away from you. We continue to worship. 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as free men, but don't use your freedom to cover up for evil. Uh, Live as servants of God. It is time in this country today that Christians took the higher ground. It's time that as Christians, we step out of the crowd and out of the noise and above the politics, and we start living like we are people who have been given freedom by God. What that means is that you have to step above your personal preferences and your political preferences. We've got to step above uh, the ground of name-calling and arguing, the higher ground that understands Our freedom isn't used to control other people, not their thinking, not their living, not their actions. That's called slavery. Our freedom should be used to help others, not to shame them, not to argue with them. You know, as a Christian, we don't say, well, I'm forgiven, and because I know that my sins are forgiven, I'm going to go out and sin more. No, we say, I'm a Christian, and because Jesus forgave me of my sins and the price for that forgiveness was nothing less than his life, I don't want to sin anymore. And instead of spending time trying to figure out how I'm going to sin and cover it up, I want to spend my time serving, doing, being, helping other people. Because I am free in Christ, I want others to be free in Christ as well. So what do we do as Christians that are free in Christ and living in the freedom that we have as citizens of this great yet divided land? I propose to you that we look back at our Bibles. What if we were to live out in faith the words of the prophet prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament, Isaiah 61? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. What if you took that verse and made it you? That the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because the Lord has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. God has called you as a Christian to bring good news to the poor, the wealthy, and all of the world. God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. What if we took our freedom as a nation and we took our freedom as a Christian and we took those words seriously and said, You know what? Let's use those to go change the world for Jesus. 
See, the prison that we're bound by in America right now is this false idol, and it is a false idol, that every idea, every want, every belief is true as long as you believe it and you want it and you say that it's so. There are court cases that are, that are going before judges, and, it, and it's being basically given to folks that say, yes, because you believe that it is now true. That is a false idol. That is creating separate religions all over the place where we're beginning to worship ideas and beliefs that have nothing to do with truth, much less what God would have us to be. Your opinion, no matter how much you believe it, doesn't make you right. My opinion, no matter how much I believe it, doesn't make me right. And folks, that is true in politics just as much as religion. That's not freedom. That's false religion. It's a lie of self-indulgent and selfish children. And we're bound by this prison in America of believing that the right politician or the right party or the right president is what's going to save us. No, it's not going to happen. It might change the landscape for a while, but that couldn't be further from the truth. The only one who will ever save anyone is Jesus. You're not going to save anyone and I'm not going to save anyone. A politician certainly isn't. But Jesus, God's only son, can. See, he's already paid the price for our freedom. And you've got the chance to share that good news with anyone who will listen. Take that first verse of Isaiah 61 and make it your own. Make it be what you go into the world to do. Make it your purpose. Because he's, here's, here's what's on the other side. The devil doesn't want that to happen. Because there's nothing more powerful in the world than a Christian who truly believes that God's word is true. That filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't try to elevate themselves, but tries to bring glory to God through everything that they do. The devil wants us to believe that our freedom has been taken. And I hear it from Christians all over the time. They took our freedom. They took our freedom. No, they didn't. They're trying to do the best that they can do, our government officials. And whether we agree or whether we don't, if you're out there saying, well, our right to worship is gone. No, it's not. The opportunity to worship together has been suspended. That doesn't mean your freedom has been taken away. Some people say, oh, there's nothing but gloom and doom ahead for the Christian church in America. We've seen the end. That's exactly what the devil wants us to believe. He wants to cause division. He wants to get us focusing our attention on a virus and on politics and on people we disagree with. Because if we're focusing on that and we're arguing with people that don't agree with us, we're not paying attention to what we need to focus on. And that is Jesus. As Christians, let's start taking the higher ground. The devil wants to divide us. And if he can succeed at that, if he can get us to doubt, not to trust, to take our eyes off of Jesus, the true source of our freedom, then we really are in trouble. But we don't have to be because our freedom hasn't been taken away. Our right to worship still exists because it was given to us by our Creator. It was born into every one of us. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, as a senior pastor of the Open Door Christian Church, there is nothing in the world that could be further from the truth than to say that our right to worship is gone. No, it is not. It is temporarily changed. Your freedom hasn't been taken away. And we continue to worship. We will continue to worship. And here's the thing that I know. A wise friend of mine told me this years ago. The devil always overplays his hand. The devil makes promises that he can't keep. The devil says things that he can't back up. He always overplays his hand, and, and here's what you need to know. God's church, our church, the Open Door Christian Church, is absolutely flourishing right now. Because we're not trying to be defiant, we're not trying to argue, we're trying to be obedient to God, we're trying to be good citizens and good neighbors. We have and we will continue to worship in new and creative ways, 
Hopefully before too long, we'll get back to some of the old ways that we used to worship, but we're going to continue everything that we've already begun. And if you've met us online only, don't worry, we're not going away. We're going to continue to come at you online because what we're going to do is keep preaching freedom. But we're not preaching political freedom. We're not preaching patriotic freedom. We will appreciate the freedoms that we have in this country and the price paid by the men and women for us to have those. But we're going to preach freedom from that self-created prison of sin that we live in. And we are, not going to, we are not going to apologize for loving Jesus, for loving people, and for teaching people to love Jesus. And in that, what we want to do is say, to God be all the glory. See, it isn't me, it isn't you, it isn't us. It's Jesus in us. He is the one that gave us the freedom to do that. Isaiah 61.1, go to your Bibles, look it up, make those words your own. You're wondering what to do in the world, you're wondering what to do with your spare time, you're wondering what to do with your extra bit of freedom. Take those words, make them your own, and go share them with people. Go live that out in our world. Folks, happy Memorial Day. Enjoy your freedom. Do so with a grateful heart, with a glad heart. If you know people who are families of those folks who have served, they would no doubt appreciate a thank you and probably a little bit of an I'm sorry because you know what? Whether someone has died in a war, whether someone has died in active duty, whether someone has died too young or at a ripe old age, if they serve this country and their family is still around, the family deserves our thanks as well. Thank you. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for freedom. Uh, we enjoy, we're grateful the freedoms that we have in this country. But more than that, God, thank you for the freedom that we have in Jesus, the freedom that we have only because of his death and resurrection for our sins. God, help us to be people who truly understand that who live as ones who are worthy of that. As Christians, God, help us through your Holy Spirit to rise above what is happening in our country and the division, the anger, the arguing, the name-calling. Help us to rise above all of that and to love each other. The common ground that we have is Jesus. And if, if we talk to someone who doesn't share that common ground, then we can share why it is that we don't have to be a part of all of the arguing. God, thank you again for what it is that you've done in Jesus, because without that, we have nothing. He is our hope. You are our truth. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps to bring all of that into an understanding, into a real faith in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, before we go, one last thing. It is Memorial Day weekend, and we do want to take another opportunity to remember those who have understood the true price of freedom. To the families of them who are still here with us, thank you to you for the sacrifice that they made for us.